Welcome to the Omega Metroid Podcast. My name is Andy Spateri, joined by the one, the only, Dakota Lasky. Deck, how you doing? How's it going? I'm I'm doing good, man. I wasn't expecting that much energy from you, considering yeah, how, right. how tired you are. So <laughs> that, that took me that took me by surprise. Um, <laughs> I'm good, man. I'm good. Um, we are into February of 2021. And a pre- uh, very quickly approaching the the one year anniversary of the show, which is awesome. And Ooh. otherwise, I am I'm doing good. We got some some more snow. Got a crazy amount of snow recently here. Um, uh, what else? Uh, lately, a couple of my friends and I on like one of our Discord servers, we've been watching like old WWE matches. Like we watched on uh, like t- I've been streaming them to the Discord, so I've been watching like the 2000 Royal Rumble, some Elimination Chamber matches, some old Kurt Angle. Trying to get my friends into some old wrestling matches I used to watch as a kid, so that's been fun. Um, what else? I'm trying to think what else is on my plate. Just been working, you know, hanging out. Uh, yeah, you know, just just going through the motions as we get into another year. Playing some playing some stonks, playing a little games here and there. Obviously. Uh, mentally preparing myself for the inevitable other M episodes that we're doing. <laughs> so yeah, you know, uh, I've been here and there. How are you doing? Uh, you know what? I'm, I'm okay. I'm, I'm on one hand, I'm really great. Uh, but on the other hand, I am so, so tired. Uh, my brain feels like fried cheese right now. We got, uh, my wife and I got a new puppy, and he's super cute, super adorable. If you want to see some pictures, uh, head over to Twitter and you can see them on there. But he's definitely, uh, uh, he's, I mean, he's a puppy, so he wakes up in the middle of the night. And I think right now he's he's got the Zooms, so he's upstairs. So PSA to any of you listeners out there, if you hear something weird, that's, that's probably Little Link the Pup upstairs. Yes, we named him Link after, uh, I'm, you know, I'm after so my surprised. boy Link. I know, right? I know. I'm predictable. What can I say? Um, yeah, I mean, other than that, I'm, I'm pretty good. I am also, uh, I'm gearing up for Other M, you know, a, a peek behind the curtains yeah. here. You said it, we're gearing in on one year of the Omega Metroid podcast. So we are going to dedicate not one, but two episodes to Metroid Other M. And it's going to be episode 51 and 52. One's going to be about the story. One's going to be about the gameplay. And I'm like really, really stoked to talk about that uh the good bad and ugly as it were of that game so yeah i'm uh, i'm looking forward to that um and i'm looking forward to today because we are here to uh talk about some of the the wildest uh theories and conspiracy theories in the metroid universe seems like a very topical idea to be talking conspiracy theories so we're gonna dive into uh some of the some of the best ones that we found on reddit but before we get there we should probably talk about E3 and uh, how apparently, uh, according to a a new report, uh, this year is going to be uh, an all-digital event. That makes a lot of sense. I'm surprised that they didn't do this last year, actually, to be honest, instead of just canceling the whole thing. Um, yeah, th- this this makes a lot of sense. And to be to be honest, I'm surprised that they didn't really move this direction sooner because I feel like with the with the advent, especially of Nintendo Directs and how Nintendo went digital during, uh, you know, during E3 and and didn't really have a stage presence anymore, it, it felt a little bit antiquated to me. The the model that they'd been using for the last couple of years. Yeah, you know, I mean, 
Well, I guess like last year's E3 was um I maybe too soon, you know, cuz I mean if you remember last year there was a, a moment like not a moment but like a good portion I would say of like the spring where like people were like, "Oh, this will be over by the summer," you know? So I think a lot of you know, a lot of people thought that like legitimately and like we'll be back in in shape by June, July. And also, too, with, you know, big event organizers, they, they drop so much money into these huge events that, like, to to make a decision like that and have something ready to go as an alternative, I think, is it's hard to do. Like, the Summer Games Fest was something that probably would have, I think, would have existed even if, like, COVID didn't happen. And that was, you know, a planned, like, digital event from the get-go, it seems. To a degree, I think it probably would have been that way, too, if not COVID existing. Like you said, because, you know, Nintendo Direct's are thing and, and all that. But at the same time, yeah, I don't think E3 last year really had the time to plan out something new. Um, you know, by the time COVID was really, like, a serious matter, it was mid-March. E3 is, like, what, like, July, June, July? So that's, like, only a few mm-hmm. months, really, to, to have something kind of figured out um but yeah it's no surprise that it's going digital this year uh, apparently jeff neely is not going to be involved because he'll still be doing the this year summer games fest so there'll be like two e3s i guess like you know summer games fest was kind of e3 last year but not really and now like e3 this year is going to be kind of e3 but not really so like we'll have like two kind of not really e3s together which hopefully will add up to one e3 but um as someone who went to E3 in 2011 and 2014, you know, I, I was lucky enough to go before they opened it up to the public, which um, if anyone was able to do that in the you know years before they did that, I mean, E3 was even back then was packed. But it was so awesome. And then, yeah, over the years, like Nintendo stopped doing it and they opened it to the public, kind of lost that like shine. And that being said, it's still always going to be like that time of year is always going to be like the big time for announcements, regardless of whether or not it's in person. And I think that's still like you know, a, a big deal for people. Whether or not studios are going to be at E3, we still don't know. Obviously, Nintendo has no reason... Well, be at E3, I got quote-unquote, is not even like... You can't even really be there. But, like, Nintendo obviously probably won't have a presence. I don't know who will really have a presence. I would assume most companies, like, nowadays are really just going to do, like, their own Nintendo thing and, like, just do their own announcements and or, or work with Summer Games Fest. I don't know. Um, but, yeah, E3 going entirely digital. Um... You know, I guess that's not a surprise to anybody, but it is something worth noting because it will be, you know, the second year in a row that we haven't had an actual physical E3, which, you know, looking back on this is, I'd still say pretty surreal, all things considered. So, yeah, I, I guess we'll see what, what comes from that. I don't know what to expect because we're going to have this and Summer Games Fest. I honestly don't even, I'm just going to wait till the trailers appear on Twitter <laughs> and, and that'll be it. So I guess we'll, I guess we'll see, but you know, hopefully uh, we get at least a little bit of that E3 energy this summer, I suppose. Yeah. You know what? I, um, I don't know if my line of thinking is, I think that everyone could have probably presented something that that would have been ready from the time like you said in mid-march um i think they could have presented something for june um but then you have of course the i think what the real culprit was why we didn't really get anything is companies kind of adjusting their release schedules as people were working from home and and, you know a lot of uncertainty um around the gaming world but yeah i i mean this just seems to me like like the way it was it was heading um i i don't really remember the summer games fest being that uh, I don't remember a ton of significant announcements coming last year. Maybe I'm wrong and, and missing or misremembering, but for for this E3, I actually am kind of optimistic. I feel like 
there, there definitely is an energy about E3. It's the best time for announcements. It kind of seems like all of the, you know, all of the big guns are are drawn out at E3. Um, you know, we we did have the Sony State of Play, which showed off a ton of really wicked stuff for the PS5. Oh, yeah. But you know, I I feel like you Xbox could definitely had its own too. Yeah, yeah, they took. Yeah, they did. Um, you know, I I feel like the the big three though were, are going to kind of rally and and maybe pool their resources into making E3 uh, even if it's digital, kind of a, a big exciting announcement. I think that'd be a really good place for like the next trailer for Horizon, uh, maybe for for Halo. I don't even know if Halo is supposed to be out by the time E3 would happen or not, but it may be Breath of the Wild no. too. No. So yeah, I don't know. It, it seems to me like may, maybe I'm just being optimistic, but. If it is going digital, I, I think that the big three companies will kind of band together and say like, all right, like even though it's not the same, we're, we're still going to, you know, we're still going to make a run at this and make it something nah. really cool and, and something really worth tuning into. I definitely disagree with that. I don't see the main companies have no incentive to do that. They'd be paying um, the ESA to essentially advertise games they could just do on their own platforms, you know, like that's the thing. Well, is that when with E3 with goes, the caveat. With the caveat of like E three is going to be uh, a very fundamentally different event. I I with the caveat there being like I think that the entire business model of it would change. They they can have the event, but yes, there's there's no incentive for like Nintendo who releases Nintendo Directs to participate in E three. But there hasn't been incentive for them to participate really for years. So well well right, but knows? I mean even like. Well, even like Microsoft and Sony have no incentive anymore either. So it's like, you know, maybe when E3 is physical again, that's an incentive because that's, you know, where you can physically show people the games and do, you know, the promotions and do the booths and all that. But when it's just a, a digital event and you're just essentially showing people uh, videos and images and Zoom meetings, essentially, like you, anyone can do that on the Internet. You don't need to go through E3 to do that. And I don't really think, and especially because E3 is charging companies to be part of it, right? Like, why would they pay E3 to to do any of that? So, I'm, I don't have any high expectations. And, and I don't think they would. Yeah, I, I don't think they would. I don't think like, they the, will The entire either, model so. is going to have to change. And I think yeah, it will I mean, change, least, but who knows? It definitely will. I just, I don't have, that's the thing is, like, I have no idea what to expect from this E3 because who knows who's going to be involved. I think, like, companies who aren't the big ones are the ones who are going to take advantage of this because now they can still kind of use that E3 name to take up some of that market share that those bigger companies would normally take up and and maybe promote themselves in a manner that the other bigger companies don't need from e3 anymore you know so yeah i think there's definitely going to be a a change in in how e3 works through the years but also for this year especially and even with summer games fest existing companies doing their own thing you know what what kind of role does e3 even fit in you know or, or you know provide what do they play in this digital landscape here for for games media um i personally don't really care because because <laughs> it's just i'm gonna get the news either way i suppose um and it's all digital like even the summer games plus last year like it doesn't it's cool like it's a novelty it's kind of like oh yeah we're all here, still here together but we're really not like it's not a real big event it's just a stream um and they do their best though i mean like the summer games plus last year i think was still well done and uh, you know props to everyone who puts those productions together especially remotely it's not easy it's not easy to do productions live it's not easy to production do productions anywhere so um you know i i 100 support it and there were some cool moments i remember from from last year where like developers got you know got to be in the spotlight for a little bit thanks to summer games fest and other digital events over the summer so um yeah i mean i i'm looking forward to the summer in general because we're gonna definitely get big news from nintendo from all these companies how we get it i think is really the answer but 
and, and or question and the answer, I guess. But um, I'm just concerned about that time of, of, of year because that's when we usually get kind of good information. Hopefully we got some Metroid news, whether it's at E3 or Direct or whatever. So uh, it would it would be really great to get any kind of Nintendo Direct here anytime soon. It's been when was the last God, one? I can't even remember. It's been September 2019 was the last Nintendo Direct, the last full flow, the last full blown Nintendo Direct. We've had the minis. There wasn't. We've had the partner an, showcases. Nope. Nothing. Damn, that's that's wild to me. I mean, I yeah, that's, that's cold. The, yeah, I, and I honestly yeah. had I didn't tune into any of those indie ones or the the partner ones. So like I'm, I need some I need some news here. I need some news. Yeah, um, yeah. I guess final thought. It, it's interesting about E3. I think that this reckoning was kind of coming for a long time, and and like with many things, I think the pandemic just kind of sped it up along. So yeah, I'm, I'm yeah. really interested to see how that goes. But uh, more interesting is uh, is uh, some of these Metroid theories that we pulled from Reddit, and uh, we got to give a shout out to uh, to the Metroid community on Reddit. Uh, these guys came up with some pretty bonkers stuff, and some of it is, some of it makes you think, and some of it is a little out there. But uh, we had a lot of fun the last time uh, we did a theory show. Of course, we we uh, raised some eyebrows with our examining of the game theory theory about the uh, the decoras and Edicoons being ex infested parasites. Uh, it didn't necessarily hold the water, but we still had a lot of fun with it. So. You know what? We decided to dive back into a bunch of new Metroid theories, and I'm really excited to uh, to dive into these ones because some of these actually I think like are are like kind of cool and like kind of make a little bit of sense, particularly the last one that we'll do. So if you've been on the the Metroid Reddit or subreddit, you've probably even seen some of these theories, and in fact uh, might even have found the specific thread that we're we're pulling these from. So. Uh, yeah, these are, are some, they're not theories that we covered on the previous episode. And you know what? I would honestly love if we did in a future episode, if we like picked one theory and did like a really in-depth like case analysis and like did mad research and tried to prove it or disprove it. Um, but this is like a little, a group of theories that we, you know, from that one particular thread that are interesting. We figure, well, let's, let's chat about them, you know, because, and, and Andy and I have talked about this outside the show, but we don't necessarily get into theories ourselves very much. I know, Andy, you've said that. I personally am not someone who kind of, like, looks up, like, these theory YouTube videos, you know? Like, when you talked about the the uh, the animals being potentially ex-parasites, like, that was the first time I ever heard that theory. Um, I'm not someone who really gets into, like, game theories too much. So this kind of stuff is interesting to me, and maybe it's stuff that other people have already kind of gotten into uh, the discourse for. But um, I've never... I, for me, it's like Metroid has so like so much more that could be going on in the games that I wish were happening that I'm not even, I want to, I want to speculate on like what's barely there than stuff that we might, might not even be a thing. So mm-hmm. to actually get into this, you know, realm of, of theory crafting on some of these more out there theories is, is, is a nice change of pace for me. Yeah. Like I, uh, I usually have kind of a bad taste in my mouth when talking about game theories. Cause like, you know, I, I cut my teeth in the Zelda community and like, there's, there's so many just like YouTubers out there that'll re- literally make something out of nothing and claim that they figured something out when it's literally nothing. So it, it always kind of just leaves kind of a uh, a foul smell in the air whenever somebody says theories to me. Um, and I feel like mm-hmm. also like the Metroid timeline is uh, it, it's pretty straightforward in a lot of ways. Yeah. Like there's not really 
a whole lot that's like really left up to mystery. Usually it's fairly concise uh, stories that are told, but some of these theories I do think are pretty cool. So let's just go ahead and dive right into the first one. And actually the first two theories on this list are both about the big bad of the Metroid series, Mother Brain. Ridley. Oh. Okay. Oh. Yeah, you know what? Ridley doesn't show up anywhere on here, I'm just realizing right because, now. You know why? Because Ridley is a well-written character. There is no... <laughs> there. There is no... Uh, no, I'm... I'm how, no, can, I, that's how, actually... how can there not be any theories on Ridley, the most ambiguous show-up-out-of-nowhere bad guy in the series? I don't... See, the thing is, is that, like... And I was going to mention this before we jumped in real quick, was that, like, the thing about Metroid is you're right. Like, the, the storyline is very, like, I think clear. It's, like, straightforward. And there aren't – there isn't a lot of, like, an expanded universe for Metroid. Like, it's, like, the manga and that's it. So, like, there's not a lot to be, like, left up to for, like, debate, you know? It's not like Zelda, like you said. There's all these timelines and, and, and time travel and – all this crazy yeah. nonsense. Yeah, Metroid's pretty straightforward. So uh, Ridley, that's actually a good point that none of these theories um, involve Ridley. But I think Ridley, again, is kind of a character that is mysterious. But there's, I think he's a character that you, what you see is what you get a lot of the time. And uh, that's why when people try to like over-explain like, the whole how do you end up into like the ship on fusion whatever, that stuff I like not being explained because it gives a little mystery to his character where usually there, there really isn't too much. Like Ridley, you know, you know what Ridley's up to almost every time he's there. Um, but yeah, that is a good point. I didn't think about that, that Ridley doesn't show up at all. But hey, man, he's, he's buttoned up tight. He doesn't have any, no one's speaking ill of him out here. So good on him. But yeah, Mother Brain gets mentioned a bunch. You know what, uh, what I've always kind of likened Ridley to is the Joker from Batman. Oh, actually. my God. <laughs> well, hold on. Hear me out. Hear me out. Because no. generally generally speaking, the Joker just shows up. He doesn't really get that much of an origin story. Alan Moore tried to give him an origin story once, but it sucked. Uh, he just he kind of shows up, and he's the Joker. And there's no explanation He has an origin needed. story two years ago. The, yeah, the but Joker no, movie. No, no, no. no. <laughs> I'm, I'm, talking, I'm talking the comics. I'm talking the comics. Uh, okay, okay. Not, not that movie, which was kind of like... That that that's a conversation for another day. But that was explaining something that didn't need to be explained. But anyway, okay. so like Ridley just kind of is Ridley, just kind of like how before they did the origin, Wolverine was just kind of Wolverine. You know, like these guys are just who they are, and they just show up. You know what I'm saying? See, I, I mean, Ridley to me is always he's Darth Vader in the uh, the original trilogy, right? Like he's the he's the guy who shows up and is the the actual physical power behind the bad guy who you know is like an old dude who can't do anything. Um, or a brain in a jar, but like he he's he just shows up and and messes people up and there's like a little mystery mystery because he's not fully explained. We don't need to explain it. Um, they ended up explaining it and we all know how that goes. But <laughs> the same thing, you end up explaining it in Metroid and you know how that goes too. So yeah, I've always seen Ridley as like a Darth Vader character. Don't really need to explain too much. He is just the he's like the enforcer and that's fine, and that's okay. He doesn't not everything needs to be explained. Um, but. It's, that's why I think the character works really well. But then again, you know, the prequels, hey man, prequels, there's some good memes in there, um, which is the the opposite of Other M, which has no good qualities. But yeah, right. let's get into it. We're really off topic, but the Star Wars prequels are misunderstood. Those are good movies. They're Great not, they're movies, not, actually. no, they're not. No, no, I'm sorry. Before we go on, they're not good movies. They're bad movies that can be laughed at and appreciated for charming 
or funny qualities which make them nope. entertaining. That doesn't mean that nope. they're good. Nope. That means nope. that they're entertaining. That's true. That's true. That's that's facts. They're nope. not good movies. Those are, they're those are good movies. They're not good movies. I'm sorry. All right, let's move on not. before we before actually. We get episode three derailed. is we'll, pretty. We'll talk about this privately. Okay. <laughs> so we're 20 minutes into this. Um. Yeah. Yeah. Here we finally go. Here we go. Uh, for, for all you listeners still here, we're, we're finally getting to the Metroid theories. Uh, first theory. Here we go. Mother Brain is a good guy. What? So the theory goes like this. Mother Brain is actually working against the corrupt uh, Federation in Super Metroid. And actually a lot of these, a lot, the first two theories are, are kind of the, the same, um, the same kind of idea here. But so Mother Brain is working against uh, the corrupt Federation. Um, she is uh, she's trying to go rogue, or she's not trying to go rogue as kind of the uh, the prequel or the Super Metroid story would would have you believe. But um, in fact, she's actually uh, she's actually trying to work against the Federation because she she knows that. Uh, that they're kind of up to no good behind the scenes. And I guess I'll just go into the second theory here as well, because it's kind of along the same lines. Oh, but is it? Oh, I feel like we should answer this one first. They're kind of... Okay, okay, okay. Let, okay, let, let's answer this first. There's, a lot, there's already a lot to unpack there. There's already a lot to unpack, because how it reads, at least how this user put it uh, <clears throat> four years ago on Reddit, um, Mother Brain foresaw the Federation becoming corrupt and goes rogue to stop them by conquering the galaxy for herself as she sees herself as infallible. So there's two parts to that to that theory. It's number one, she force she foresees the future whether they mean literally or, you know, just like intuition Educated or prediction guess, or whatever, yeah. right? Like yeah. Um that the federation becomes corrupt or whatever and she's working against that and she wants to take over the galaxy because she sees herself as infallible and that's like the re- that's why she does that. So um I'm going to go first on this <laughs> because I'm talking already. Hit so it. why not? Yep, so, hit it. Um, okay. So let's, let's, let's assume that mother brain is not literally seeing the future, right? Like, because I think that's another whole thing. Like, I think we can assume that mother brain can't like, sh- she can't see into the future, right? Like that's not possible. I, I think that we can assume that she has like, Kind of like supercomputer intelligence is kind of my yeah. She's she's my, near uh, my view. Yeah, she's like near omniscient be, due to being a computer that is networked in many places, but you know in that yes. area, right? Locally, she's uh, like a local omniscience almost. Um, you know, like remember in like Zero Mission, you know, like there's cameras over the places, like that little cutscene you can see a Mother Brain watching Samus. Um, so like that that's obviously like thematically there. But so so let's assume that she's not literally seeing into the future, but instead intuition, educated guest, uh, she's working against the Federation, goes rogue in order to do so. Um, the first thing I always think of in these theories is like, what's the path of least resistance? You know, like if someone if, if a character has a goal, what is the least effort they have to put into achieving it? Because that's what everything does. Right. Um, there's no reason to like come up with a super complicated plan to a accomplish something that could be done with a much easier uh, solution so is mother brain going through all of this work right like being involved with the chozo and then creating a whole space pirate army and doing all this stuff is that like the most efficient way to deal with a corrupt like bureau like human bureaucracy that like we don't even know existed when mother brain or i guess we could but like 
like I don't know. It just is that like the immediate path to dealing with a corrupt government? Because number one, any government has the potential to be like corrupt and and abuse power, right? So that's not like a new concept. So like mother brain guessing that a government could be corrupt, like that anyone could guess that. You know, I could guess that. Um, and the well, federation. A key point. A key point too is that. By the by, the time the events of especially Super Metroid, but potentially Metroid, but definitely Super Metroid is happening, um, we we probably have to assume that the you know the Federation is is probably corrupt already because fusion happens immediately after Super Metroid, so it's not well, that big of a stretch to say like okay, well they're probably already up to something shady. Well, that's the thing too is that like because the story hasn't really told us like that we don't like the Federation is corrupt in and of itself isn't necessarily even true because we don't know that the whole federation is corrupt. We know that individuals in the federation are uh, shady, right? Like, we don't know that the entirety of the federation... I mean, no whole government can be, like, wholly corrupt unless it's, like, at the very top, really. And we don't know that that's the case with federation. Like, the, the story hasn't literally told us that. So the base, like, um, the base assumption that, like, the whole federation is corrupt enough to be a motivation for this supercomputer to like go rogue and act against it. Like that's such a reach for me personally. Um, because it, 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 it overcomplicates the easier solution of, um, mother brain is like a, you know, just a, a, a like a bad supercomputer <laughs> or, you know, a, a supercomputer that got ro went rogue and is working with the space pirates, or whatever, but like to do it specifically to counter the Federation, um, it seems like a bit of a reach to me. Okay. I, I agree with you. Um, and I, and I like what you said about the path of least resistance, because that was my thought when I read this initially. And I was thinking like, okay, what would be for mother brain, the super intelligent computer being, what would be the most efficient way for her to conquer the galaxy? And my thought right. wasn't that she should raise her own army and overthrow the existing government, but rather infiltrate and take over that existing government potentially yep. without them even knowing that yep. the infiltration is has happened so i'm thinking to myself okay the optimal place to do that would have been actually in metroid prime 3 where we see the birth of the aurora units which are very much modeled after mother brain um you know corruption kind of implies that mother brain is a rogue aurora unit which doesn't really add up because mother brain existed before the Prime Trilogy, but let's assume that they're connected in some capacity. I could believe that Mother Brain would have the technical wherewithal to infiltrate and corrupt those Aurora units, which, as we know, are stationed at, at key outposts and key ships in the Federation uh, and in the galaxy, and I would have an easier time believing that she actually was controlling those, which is influencing, if not directly controlling the the federation yeah, that to no, me I, is the path of least resistance i 100 percent agree because like if this computer is this this fleshy brain supercomputer is so smart their best solution to deal with the federation is to collect a bunch of space bugs and put them on a planet <laughs> and try to have them work on other space bugs like that doesn't like the space pirates are, are a a conglomerate of like rando species and, and individuals right like it's not like um, Mother Brain, like, literally built, like, a clone army that, you know, like, she has, like, some Zabesians and, like, some other, you know, it's, it's, it's like a, like a, a Walmart covenant, right? 
And so, like, is that, like, the best way to deal with a a, uh, a highly advanced human, like, bureaucracy? Is to, like, get a bunch of bugs together on some, like, street on, like, a, on the corner of the, of the of the galaxy and try to, like, build other bugs? I don't know. Like, that just... I. I feel like if I was a supercomputer, I would have come up with some better solutions to that. And you're right. I think infiltrating the Federation, not making yourself look like a threat, um, infiltrating systems that your enemy wants to use instead of just like creating an army to destroy them physically makes a lot more sense for a computer to do if that were their actual goal from the beginning. So, uh, yeah, I'm with you on that. All right. Well, we're not done with Mother Brain yet. She actually shows up. And a couple different theories. That was the right call to separate these two. Because actually, I'm looking at this, and and they're definitely different. But the second one, and I think that this one is a little bit more plausible, actually, is that uh, the theory goes like this. Mother Brain was trying to stop the X-Parasites in Super Metroid. Um, According to the manga, Mother Brain was involved in the creation of the Metroids. Thus, it's reasonable to assume that she knew that they were created to stop the X. Now, Mm -hmm. once she finds out that Samus has went out and and wiped all of the Metroids off of SR388 in Samus Returns. Uh, she sends Ridley to get the baby Metroid so she can then become or start cloning it to repopulate the Metroid species to stop the X Parasite. Now there's still some some holes in this one, but actually this one is a lot more um, this one is a lot more believable to me in that uh, I could. You know, I could potentially, I I could believe that Mother Brain would have knowledge of the X parasites. To mm-hmm. me, using the manga as any kind of canon is always like a gray area. Um, I mostly just don't do it. So, but you know what? I I could believe that there would be a way for Mother Brain to access um, some kind of records, or maybe you know, the Chozo obviously knew about the X parasites, and they were obviously on Zebus. So potentially she could get that information from the Chozo that were there. Uh, we right. still have that mysterious dark Chozo that we saw in Samus Returns. So we, we, again, we don't really know who he's working with, who he's talking with. Is he working with the space pirates? Is he not? So I could potentially believe that mother brain might've found out about the X parasites, uh, from him as well. Now, um, I do, I think that the idea that mother brain is trying to repopulate the Metroids to wipe out the X is kind of a cool idea with the drawback of that being in Super Metroid, there are hardly any Metroids in that game. I mean, other than Turian, which I think there's about 10 Metroids in Turian, uh, there, there's not Metroids anywhere. And, and I guess I could also believe that, okay, well, maybe it takes time to populate the, the Metroids and whatnot. Um, but yeah, you know, it's uh, maybe maybe that was just stage one. But then again, uh, I would have done that in secret rather than, you know, maybe have Ridley go as bombastically steal the baby Metroid as he did. But hey, maybe there was no other way. Um, there's definitely some holes in this one, but I think that this one is a little bit more solid than the last one that we just talked about. Yeah, this is a theory that I would I would wager like might have a couple, yeah, like holes that make this impossible. But this is way less of a reach than the previous uh, theory, I think. So, I your point about, excuse me, your point about the lack of Metroids on Zebus. Um, I yeah, if if this were true, I would chalk it up to okay. Well, Ridley like just caught the baby Metroid, you know. Um, maybe they just didn't get like that's all they could have gotten done before like Samus got there, 
at the same time, I think they could have gotten, like, maybe more than 10. And also, do they need, like... I, this is the part that I was kind of hemming and hawing a bit, because I always thought in Fusion, like, okay, the, it makes sense that, like, they need... Um, you know, like, the Metroid DNA specifically, like, to create the vaccine that Samus has used or whatever. But, like, do they do they need a, a Metroid organism to make more Metroids, right? Like, if the Metroids were originally created by, like, the Chozo, and let's say, like, Mother Brain was there, or part of it, or knew about it, wouldn't Mother Brain also have access to, like, that genetic information? Like, couldn't she just, like... I feel like there would be a chance where they wouldn't necessarily need a literal Metroid to clone other Metroids... They would have maybe samples already available from the last time or like that, that, that genetic like yeah. code available, you know, like why would they need like a, it just seems very kind of archaic for them to need like a literal, like physical specimen to do that again when they've already been working on Metroids and all this stuff previously in the past. Um, second, if that were the case and they're trying, like, and sh they're trying to create Metroids to, to deal with the X, um, I'm thinking, why didn't, with that, when they were in that situation, why didn't they just try to, like, create, you know, use the X's bioweapons, you know, um, and just use what they got? Like, oh, there's a bunch of X around now. Well, might as well we use those as weapons instead of Metroids instead of creating Metroids to get rid of the X parasites so they could use Metroids as bioweapons. Why don't they just use X as the bioweapons? Maybe they didn't mm -hmm. think of that. Maybe they couldn't. They didn't know how. Maybe they couldn't, um, you know. This is, like, one of those theories where it kind of just, like, it, it's it's a story that you kind of piece together based on what the games give you. Um, but I it, it think it's, again, more easily explained by, uh, no, the Space Pirates just want the Metroids again, and there's a Metroid there, and Ridley, you know, is the guy who can fly in, in the vacuum of space <laughs> and show up and, and, you know, easily take that. Again, he's, like, he's your Darth Vader. He's the guy shows up, busts down the door, gets what needs to get done, and dips. Um, literally. So... Yeah. Yeah, so, um, hmm. In I've got one more thing, too. I've got one okay. more thing for this theory. It seems to me that uh, if if the intention was to repopulate the Metroids as well, the optimal place to do that would not be on Zebus, but it would, in fact, be on SR388 um, because that's where you have all of the Metroid evolutions, and that's, and that's you know, other than, other than <laughs> the one on, uh, on the bottle ship, that's really the only place that we've seen any of the evolutions for the metroids in general now the the obvious uh conundrum there is like okay well we can't go there because it's overrun with x but i would maybe argue that mother brain is like this mechanical supercomputer um does she even need any organic species to to produce the metroids there um i don't know maybe 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 not but uh now that i'm thinking of it now i can't remember we did see the X infiltrate um, non-organic beings on uh, on in Metroid Fusion, so maybe yeah. maybe that wouldn't have worked at all, actually. But well, you bring up a good point too, actually. That I was just thinking about this: is why why would they even need to like why would Mother Brain if they're on Zebus? Why do they care that there are X on on SR three eight eight? You know, like as far as they, I mean, like they know the X after the events of Samus Returns. I mean, I mean we don't even know. We don't even know how much the pirates or mother brain really know about the events of, of Samus returns, right? Like we don't really know how much they know about what happened there. Um, so, but let, but let's say we're going back to, okay, mother brain knows like what the X parasites are, right? Going back to that initial assumption. Um, why would she even care that, that the X parasites are all over SR388? She's not there, right? She's on Zebus. 
So, like, why do they care? Like, it, the X, as far as they know, only exists on one planet that they don't have to go to. Um, and as far as they know, the X can't leave unless they're taken from, from there, which is eventually what happens. But at the time, like, they're not on SR-388. As far as they know, it, you know, it's just another rock in the galaxy. Like, uh, if they're not, they have no plans, as far as we know, to use them as bioweapons, because even in this theory, they're creating Metroids to try and get rid of them. And, and there's no evidence of the space pirates ever trying to, or the mother brain ever trying to use the X as, as, as weapons. So why would they go the, out of all their all this way to make more Metroids to deal with like a problem that's not a problem to them at the at the time? You know, like they're not being threatened by the X. They're not on SR388. No one's threatening them with the X. So why would they need Metroids? Um, they would. So I, I would. I will. I will give a caveat, or I'll give a counterpoint to that. Not a really strong counterpoint, but one anyways. Um, we we can't. Maybe we can assume. That if we take the ending of Samus Returns, and to be fair to this theorist, this theory was made before Samus Returns is ever a thing. But that's also if we true. take the end of Samus Returns, then we know that in like Ridley was there. Maybe he could have oh, well, seen. Oh the yeah, X. true. Duh. Yeah, maybe Ridley... he could like he could have reported back. Maybe he could have he could have been like, hey, you know, these things are going to get off this planet eventually and, and become a threat to us. I, I mean, yeah. that's that's reaching, of course, but that well that's i actually Maybe. completely forgot that ridley's at the, the end of samus returns now yeah um but you're right like he do, i don't think he ever see like does he i don't think he sees an x right like he shows up and no and there's no x that shows up until after he um kind of gets ko'd but to be fair at the end of this this cutscene, we do we know that there are x at the end of samus returns and we know ridley is still on sr388 at the end of samus returns because he eventually is alive and shows up in Super Metroid. So maybe after Samus left, which again, don't understand why Samus just doesn't turn around, put two quick ones in his head instead of leaving <laughs> his body there, or chop his head off something, like or, or throw his body in a volcano. Um, no, let's just let's just leave. But anyway, um, there's a I, I I will accept that there's a chance that after Samus left and before Ridley left, that Ridley saw an ex parasite was like, oh, that's a problem. Uh, we should do something about this, but yeah. uh, that's you know, reaching though. Yeah. yeah, I mean it's reaching, but I, I would, I would, I will amend my previous comments that there is a chance that they could have known what happened to the to the extent that they would do something about it. Um, because I forgot that I don't know how I forgot because my boy Ridley, but I was thinking about the original events of Sam's of, of Metroid the yeah. two. Um, you know, yeah, so. Yeah, Ridley, I guess I guess they could be privy to that knowledge. So, yeah, all right. This theory, um, I think this is one of those theories that I would be interested in digging in a little more. Um, but at the same time, it also, like, doesn't explain too much. So, like, it's not a huge resolution, but it's an interesting theory. Yeah, I mean, with, with some world building around it, if Nintendo ever decided to go this route, I think it could make sense. It's just you'd have to fill in some of the gaps. But um, let's... Let's stick with the planet SR388 because I thought that this one was actually really cool. Um, the theory goes that SR388 is actually a living planet similar to Phase, but not Phase unrelated, but just kind of the same idea. Where the X are, are basically the planet cells, and um, the introduction of Metroids caused the environment, or it caused SR388 to go into a protective state. Um, he says that. The lava lowering and rising is kind of a, a reaction of the planet being alive and, and the ecosystem and stuff like that. Um, I think that this is kind of cool. He likens the the Metroids to an infestation of the planet. So 
you know, and this, keep in mind too, this was made, um, again, before Samus Returns came out and introduced Aeon into the mix, which is kind of implied was used to actually create the Metroids. So maybe that's a little bit of a contradiction, but I, I do like the, like the premise of this. I think that it's, it's kind of cool. Hmm. The, you know, the living planet thing has always been a stickler for me, even back in Prime 3 with Phase, because I kind of feel like it's kind of contrived a little bit to, like, a, a living planet. I don't know. Um, it's a little too hokey sci-fi for me. And, like, as far as I know, that that's, like, a real thing. <laughs> um, and, and Metroid, and not, not that there aren't things in Metroid that aren't real things in real life, but for the most part, I you know, Metroid kind of st- stays grounded. I don't know where this is on the line of things. SR388 being a living planet. Um, I don't know. I, I'm pretty indifferent on this one, actually, because I don't think it has any story implications, you know? Like, so what if SR388 is a living planet? Like, it doesn't really change anything. Whereas, like, the previous theories, uh, well, pre- previous theories uh, do have some plot implications and kind of, like, change your perspective on how you see what's happening. But, like, does your your perspective change knowing that SR388 has, like, a pulse? No, not really. Um, and I felt the same way about phase, too, to be honest. Like, just having a planet where phase comes from is – or phasing comes from is, is cool. But to, like, oh, phase, phase is a living planet, like, it doesn't really – it doesn't do anything. It doesn't add to the, the plot or, you know, your understanding or change your perspective on anything, which is what I think is important when you make these kinds of details or notes in your story. Or, you know, whatever, flesh those kinds of things out. Um, so looking at it from a storytelling perspective, doesn't really do anything for me. Doesn't really change anything. Okay, cool, whatever. And SR388 is not even my favorite planet in the in the series anyway, so I could care less. But, not care less, but eh, whatever. Um, the theory itself, though, mm, you know, I think the tie to Aeon, maybe like Aeon is like something that's like produced by the planet. It's like it's lifeblood maybe-ish. Uh, that could be interesting. But again, it's hard for me to kind of like wrap my head around my interest in it when I don't really see the implications of like why this would matter. And I hate to like put it that way because like I don't want to like feel like I'm like crapping on the theory. But um, I don't know. I'm interested like in what other people might think about this. But the whole idea of like living planets is something that Metroid has had before. Uh, Hasn't done too much for me. Um SR388 being a living planet, I guess, like, what does that explain? Not much. Um, but it'd be, it's, I guess, I've got I don't something. know. I've got something. Okay. Give me something. What if, it, what if, because actually, I don't disagree with you. Like, it, it, it's a cool idea in theory that this is kind of a a sister, if you will, to phase, but it doesn't really change anything. Unless, right. pot- potentially, you find out maybe that somebody has engineered these, quote unquote, living planets and, and created them. And potentially, what if it was like someone like the Chozo that had started making these organic planets? And then it's like, oh, crap, we actually made these like living planets and created the X and created Phazon, which are like the two of the biggest threats in the galaxy. And like maybe maybe that kind of led to their disappearance. Maybe there is more planets out there that kind of share some of the same properties with with something to stop uh you know these mutagens that are on this planet uh i mean you'd have to come up with like a whole big story to make it like kind of relevant but i i think that like maybe and i and i don't think that this would ever happen in metroid but uh, i think that you could maybe make up a backstory to make this kind of 
make sense or, or maybe be relevant. Um, for me, I like I actually think that the the theory is cool enough for like it doesn't really need to be relevant, but I just kind of like it as an Easter egg. We're like, yeah, okay, like we've seen the Living Planet once. Like there are others like it in the Metroid universe, and and actually there's one that's like it that we already know about, and maybe. You know, maybe you can get into the implications of like, okay, like if this is a living planet, then why were the Metroids created here? Like why, why have all planets like, you know, this theory refers to Metroids as an infestation. Were they trying to stop it? Were, you know, because we know that Metroids aren't inherently evil creatures. Um, So yeah, I don't know. I I think that if you really dig, there can be some cool stuff here. Um, But yeah, not like. You know, it's it's not a world changer like the the mother brain theories that's that's for sure yeah you know i i think the thing is is that i guess it's my perception and just take on the chozo right because i don't the chozo aren't like forerunners or you know promethean or not Promethean, like they're not forerunners right where they're not like they weren't this huge crazy star-spanning civilization that w- would have like the capacity to create like a huge living planet like that would be a, such an undertaking that would be such an undertaking that it would dwarf anything else happening in the metroid story which is also my issue with it because it makes almost everything else insignificant like who cares what's happening with the x on some space station or some rock in in the galaxy when there's some beings out there that can literally create huge planets that are alive like who cares about anything else um but that being said, I don't think the Chozo would ever have had the capacity to do that. I don't think they were like they were, they seem like such a nomadic like, you know, like thinly like spread out ga- like uh, society, right? That was more akin to like like Noalithic or Neolithic like humans, right? That are hunter gatherers that might have been super intelligent and had a lot of technology, but they weren't creating like they weren't like the Luminoth that created like huge like horizon spanning cities. Right, like, and in these huge constructs, like the Chozo had these big buildings and 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 relics and artifacts and all of that, but to the scale of like even the Luminoth, not really, as far as we know, there could be out there, but we don't know. Um, so like the Chozo don't seem like a people to me that would have like even had the capacity or even the desire to create these huge planets. But even let's say it wasn't the Chozo, maybe it was someone else, right? The Luminoth or maybe another. Uh, you know, being or beings or whatever that might have had the capacity to do that. Yeah, again, it would kind of dwarf everything else, right? All of us, I would be very interested in like, okay, uh, let's deal with that issue. Screw everything else. It almost dwarfs even the Metroid issue, which is the the key, co- you know, con- conceit of the franchise, right? The the Metroids is bioweapons. There's not the, the peace in Galaxy has been thrown out the window because people are trying to make weapons out of jellyfish, right? So there's to to then uh completely like overblow the scale to there's someone capable of literally crafting a living planet um just dwarfs everything else and that's why it kind of doesn't work for me but uh, you know if if that were the case that'd be pretty i mean that'd be kind of crazy you know to have something that would be possible to do that and i would be interested to see how they kind of went to that scale with metroid because again with metroid for me it's like it doesn't have that same like crazy scale to it it's like there's so much like space and emptiness and like um and a a smaller scaleness i guess to to metroid in a lot of ways which i like and even though you do have those like moments in like prime three you have those big you know carriers moving on it's still like contained moments everything kind of still feels contained to go to that huge scale would really be different for metroid i'd be interested to see how it would work but at the same time i don't know if it's congruent with you know the story and the games we have now um but and that's a really long-winded way of saying 
Um, I don't know, dude. But yeah, <laughs> something interesting to think about. Yeah, I uh, you know I really love Chozo theories. That's probably my th- like favorite bit of theorizing for Metroid. Yeah, is like what happened to Chozo. Uh-huh. And actually, looking at this list, I'm surprised that there's no entries about that on this list. But, um, you know, I if, if somebody told me, like, uh, the Chozo were powerful and omnipotent enough to create planets, I'd I'd be like, okay, that that mm. works for me. Like, it, it's, yeah, it's a little bit more uh, grandoise than we've seen in the series before, but I, I think I could accept that. But um, let's actually, let's stick with the planet phase here for a second, and the Chozo, for that matter. Um and, and really quickly do this one because I want to get in the last mother brain theory here. But um, this this theory says that the Metroid's t- true form is the phase on Metroid 1 since their birth planet is phase. When the meteor hit Talon 4, the Chozo, which managed to flee to SR388, took some samples from the impact crater and started developing phase on Metroids to combat the X-Parasite. So... This one, to me, is a little hmm. bit weak, but I thought that it was is interesting. Um, it's it's kind of cool, but like I feel like this in, this one, I kind of feel like you did about the last one, where it's like, okay, well, that's, that's not really relevant. Like, we know that the Chozo developed and created Metroids, which, you know, according, if this theory were true, still would be the same fact. The Chozo created Metroids. Uh, this would basically just kind of give us the... You know, the idea of where the Chozo got the blueprint from, or the idea. The the kind of cool implication here is that um, the Metroids and Phazon were always inherently linked in that, you know, maybe maybe the Metroids were actually created on this living planet, which makes me think, like, what is this living planet? But this, this actual theory itself is kind of like, okay, well, it's, you know, we're still kind of getting the same thing. The Chozo created the Metroids and the base games that we know of. In this theory, the Chozo still created Metroids. They just made them a little bit different than they already were. Um, and we also, I guess, are assuming that the Chozo knew about the X-Parasites over on SR388. So, yeah, I, I don't know. This one, to me, is a little bit just kind of like, meh. Um, well, I do. I, I, as someone who, is in, who likes uh, like biology stuff, um, you know, just to the, for this to have, like, a, I guess, a... Uh, an influence on the taxology and or taxonomy and like how Metroids came to be, you know, changes that. Um, I think that's kind of interesting, but yeah, I, I see, you know, I agree. It doesn't really like change too much of the plot. It doesn't have like really true story implications though. It would obviously change like, you know, like you said, these theories were made before Samus returns came out. So with Samus returns, as far as I remember, like, isn't it kind of like implied that like the Chozo like literally like created their like genetic code and like built them yes. from that, right? Yeah. So it's like yeah. it, it's not like they took a sample from them. They literally like crafted the like wrote, like wrote it up in Notepad plus plus the you know from scratch. Um, you know they didn't they didn't get it off of GitHub or anything. So uh, that part obviously doesn't like this can't this can't be possible. But like let's say that. Uh, you know, let's put that aside and say that that wasn't the case. Um, yeah, again, it doesn't really change too much. I think it's interesting, though, because obviously it implies that, like, Metroids are naturally occurring, you know, and that they, but they also, that they would come from phasin, which is, like, a chemical, like, a chemically, like, substance, like, for a whole organism to come from the phasin like that. That's, I think that's kind of interesting. Um, I think the problem with this, obviously, is number one, it doesn't have, like, long-term story implications because Phasen is rendered inert. 
which also would right, yeah. make you think if something derived from Phazen is created, that that too would be um, rendered inert, right? If if Metroids were created from something that was uh, derived from Phazen and Phazen is made inert, then therefore Metroids would also be rendered inert, I would think. Unless, I don't know, maybe there's some crazy kind of loophole that would avoid that. So, um, yeah. Also, and then again, this also goes back to my thing of why would the Chozo go to SR388 to be threatened by the ex-parasites and then need to combat them? Why would they even go there? Why not just nuke SR388 from another planet? Right, like I, I can the chosen might not be able to create a whole planet as far as I'm concerned, but they could probably blow one up. I would think Samus blew blew one up with Chozo technology all on her own, um, or like hold on th- here, hold on, and, and throw because... a space station at it at one. You know, like they could definitely blow up a planet if they saw some big, you know, crazy X parasites on a planet. Why would they go there and go through this up, whole thing up. of creating? Just blow it up, just blow it up. I, I got some for you. I got some for you because I know you know that I've been watching same thing the with Expanse. Mother Brain too. Oh, hold blow up, it up. Hold up. So on, on your recommendation, I started watching The Expanse, and I'm yes. loving it so far. But we just got yes. to a very similar point in that where they were Spoilers. just like... For, for season one. Uh, actually, <laughs> season two, I'm sorry. In season one, there is something hold in on, it hold on, that hold on. if you're a Metroid fan, you will be like, whoa, that looks familiar. And I know you so know what I'm talking about. The the idea is that there's this uh, mutagen that uh, and i don't i don't think this is spoilers i don't think this is spoilers, yeah, that but is anyways, spoilers. that's like the that's the that's the end of the first season right there oh there there's something bad on a planet and instead of nuking it they they have a different they're gonna send it into like the sun because they don't want to blow it up and send like a million asteroids with little debris of this thing into the into the world so i i could okay. believe that maybe the same idea holds true for sr388 and the x i'm just saying. okay that's fair because we all right. This is something that I've speculated is that the X parasites can survive in a vacuum, which is why right. at the end of Fusion, I, I as far as I'm concerned, that the X parasites are not done at the end of Fusion. I mean, th- those things can survive in like, you know, absolute zero temperatures and all this other stuff. I would hunt or like super low temperatures, high temp. Like, I hundred percent think that the X parasites can survive the vacuum of space and therefore likely survive the end of uh, F- Metroid Fusion. So, I'm I'm with you there. In terms of the survivability of the X. Yes, there is a, a consideration that they couldn't just blow up the planet because uh, the debris might send the X elsewhere and it'll spread, which is obviously not what they want. But they could glass the planet. <laughs> they could, um, I don't know, they, they, there are so many other things that they could do that like I feel like if they took like a half hour to think about it <laughs> and 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 be like okay well we can't blow it up with like our, our you know an explosion but maybe we could glass the planet we could uh you know maybe we could uh I mean they didn't they like terraform it a little bit too couldn't they like change the weather a bit like maybe like they could just make the weather conditions so bad the X couldn't exist like maybe they uh I don't know like there just had to have been some other again the least resistance there had to have been a better way to deal with X parasites other than like creating Metro other than like going through all of this. Like I understand like, okay, like at the end of the day, they ended up creating Metroids to deal with X parasites. Like that was their solution. Okay, fine. Um, but if, if like, but why would they go to SR388 to like put themselves at risk <laughs> if they knew that was the case? I don't That's know. Fair. I, I, you know, it's like, I, and again, that goes back to my thing with mother brain. If, if mother brain was trying to destroy the X and super Metroid, why would she go through all of that? You know, why wouldn't she, Mother Brain is a character? Maybe not the Chozo, but the mo- Mother Brain is a character that I could see being like, you know, what? I don't even care if 
what happens to the debris. I'm just going to blow that planet up. Um, so maybe that, maybe the Chozo would have more care. I don't know. Um, I want to get I want to get to one more mother brain theory before we get out of here. Okay. Because I thought that this one was like really really interesting actually, and it, it makes I think that this is the most valid of all of the theories. And I'm actually going to only read like the first sentence because I think the rest of it is kind of malarkey. But I I actually really liked this. So the theory basically goes that mother brain and the space pirates were engineered by the Galactic Federation as sort of a Genghis gambit to keep people under the Galactic Federation's jurisdiction. Um, So for anyone unfamiliar with that trope of of what a a Genghis gambit is named after Genghis Khan, it's basically basically creating uh, a mutual enemy for everybody to unite against, uh, to stay united. A scapegoat. scapegoat. (laughs) Yeah, essentially, yeah. yeah. A scapegoat, yeah. This, um, I feel like this makes a lot of sense, actually, because we know that the Federation at least has a couple people in there that are, uh, you know, maybe on not on the up and up. Um, we know that Mother Brain looks a lot like an Aurora unit, which is developed by the Federation. We know that somehow, some way, Ridley keeps on being revived and, and rebuilt and, you know, that doesn't make sense after the space pirates are repeatedly annihilated by Samus. Um, we know that in other M, um, you know, Samus was, was very much, uh, limited in the abilities that she could use. And in Metroid fusion, we know that they did not want her to eliminate all of the Metroids. Um, we know that, well, maybe we don't know this, but, what we do know is that there are a ton of different races in the, the Metroid universe, but the Galactic Federation seems to kind of rule over them all. So I think that this one could actually be kind of cool and, and might be something that's worth exploring in a future Metroid game. It's it's open-ended enough that it could be true. And there's just a few pieces that if you if you look at them in the right light, you're just like, okay, maybe, you know, maybe we're onto something here. Uh, I definitely disagree there. I feel like this one has, like, no weight at all. Um, So, first of all, I'm going to go back to the initial Genghis Gambit. Um, That worked because people didn't have, like, like, you you needed to create a physical um, enemy for people to, like, know about, really. Or, you know, because back then you didn't have propaganda. You didn't have the internet. You didn't have media, right? Nowadays, it's so easy to create a, a threat out of something that doesn't exist just by naming it on social media or whatever I, to like, I don't, I don't think that the Federation would need to literally create anything to convince people. I, that they I, have I don't think that we can insert social media into the Metroid universe. Though. No, 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 but no, well, no, I'm not. Well, no, I'm saying in real life, People in real life nowadays, people can be convinced of an enemy that is not their enemy just off of a post on the Internet or a news article or whatever. Right. They don't need a physical enemy there to be convinced that they have an enemy to be worried about. Right. I mean, you see that literally all the time in in, in, in like today. Like you could, there's so many examples of that today in, in our current social political uh, landscape um, and has been for centuries. I don't think that a in the future an advanced um civilization society like humanity under the galactic federation would even need to go out of their way to create a literal space pirate army 
to let people know that they have some kind of enemy, they could create they could literally just like report it, right? Like they could just report it over media and say that there's an enemy that doesn't exist. And that would be enough because that's literally what happens today. I don't think they would need to do that. Second, um, it's again, path of least resistance, like to create like an enemy by creating, instead of like just naming people that already exist and making them the enemy to literally create an army species, individual organisms that would then represent that army that are made an enemy is so much harder than just like picking a, a group of people right and discriminating against them which is what happens in real life so like this doesn't like that doesn't really make much sense to me second of all the galactic federation has more than enough uh, military might to physically keep people under their control right like if any uh human like what's a human colony planet under the galactic federation gonna do like uprise against federation there's beam them from space or whatever like (laughs) like there's there it's like in halo right like in halo the 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 um the unsc before the covenant human covenant war were fighting just human rebels right that they were trying to control um those were the enemies they didn't have to come up with space pirates to let colonists know they should be under control they just forced them under control um and then became the good guys when the covenant showed up so i think that's kind of like the same thing here where like that's such a there's no need to go through that whole length and they could easily come up with a scapegoat with already existing people or civilizations, whatever are whatever there are, and just use them as a scapegoat and create a common enemy that way. Like the whole to create like a literal space pirate army just to do that, um, I feel like it's such a reach. And also wouldn't explain like I mean to be fair, like Samus doesn't annihilate the space pirates ever. Like she annihilates the Metroids and they still come back. Like the space pirates are never fully annihilated. Like there could be space pirates all over the place. Like they're kind of just like ragtag like criminals, right? It's like, you know, it's not something that I think you could always, it's, it's, it's like a, it's almost like an idea too. Like, I don't think you could literally eliminate the entire space pirate army. There's always going to be space pirates in space. Like they're going to be criminals, right? And they're going to be organized criminals when they're, whereas crime, there's organized crime. I don't think like the Federation, like that would take so much coordination, which like big bureaucracies are not good at. <laughs> let, me, um, let me give you a scenario here. Yeah. Let I don't know. I don't, I'm not biting on this one. I'm, I'm, and I'm going to, and hear me out, hear me out, but I, and I'm going to do some callbacks to stuff that we've been talking about on this show or on this episode before. So okay, you have, we know that there is maybe one, maybe more, but definitely one shady dude in the Galactic Federation. Now, okay. as you correctly point out earlier, no government is entirely corrupt. It's just, it's not possible. But as we were talking about earlier and why i could see this kind of working uh we were talking about one of the great films of our time star wars episode one the phantom menace now what does my boy palpatine do in that movie he creates an entire army this trade federation and then shifts that over to the clones so that he can actually consolidate power and eventually become basically like like a, a a ruler, a dictator over the uh, I, I forget what they call the Star Wars universe, but he he's the dictator of that universe, um, and he does this by creating all of these different enemies to fight. He has Count Dooku working for him. He has uh, Darth Maul working for him, and these are the faces of the opposition, much like Mother Brain, much like Ridley are, and he was the true mastermind pulling all these strings. Maybe that dude we saw. In Metroid Fusion, who was all blurred out, maybe he's the Palpatine in this scenario. So I'm not. Hmm. I'm not saying. I'm not saying no. I. I think that. 
I think that this has some I some mean, legs potentially. I, I don't know, think they're gonna go the whole dictator route like like uh, Star Wars did, but I, I think mean, that'd be cool. I'm feeling pretty good at my position when you're using Episode One to back up your your argument, so I'm feeling pretty good right now. Um, but you know, I mean, that's the worst one of the three. <laughs> so, that, oh um, my god, Dak, e- easily, we gotta talk dude, easily. This. Easily, dude. That movie's so boring. Oh my god. Um, at least there's a cool fight scene in the other ones. Anyway, um, I mean, I guess that's true. There is a lot of manipulation that could happen, right? But like the manipulation that happens in Star Wars is so dumb. It's so obvious that the bad guy is Palpatine. Like any person with a with a brain would have seen that, but no one in that movie has a brain. We would assume that people in the Metro universe have have brain cells. Like so. Uh, yeah, it did I, work I'm in the Star it, White. It's not it, impossible. It worked in that movie. Impossible. It worked in that movie because the writing allowed it to work, not because it naturally, I think, would have been able to happen, right? Like, the plot said it happened, therefore it was successful. But if that were to really happen in real life, I don't think it would have been nearly as successful. But hey, um, it's not like this kind of stuff hasn't somewhat happened before in real life either. But again, I always go back to when I whenever I do these theories, it's path of least resistance. If so, if, if if a certain subject, an individual, an organization, whatever, has a goal in mind, what is the most efficient and least effort inducing um, means to le- even least risky means to get to that? Unless their character and organization is intentionally prideful or wants to do something that's risky for whatever reason. Um, so in that way, I'm like, there's so many other ways that the Federation could make people ah, uh, see, subservient you were, you're, you're saying the federation and not an individual in the federation that's where i think well, that okay this but has weight. okay but okay but okay fine an individual in the federation like well an individual in the federation why would they go through all this effort when they can just send the federation army to a colony planet and use guns to keep them subservient why would they need to create a whole fake army to make people afraid? Which isn't even guaranteed to do that, right? What makes people afraid is is weaponry at pointed at their domes, which is what the Federation likely would do to any colonist that would be uprising. They don't need to create like a, a, a you know, a boogeyman, right? They, they can be the boogeyman. That's what government does is they're the authority and they can use that authority or they do use that authority to keep it themselves in power. Um, I don't see why if, you know, in, according to this theory, right, um that the Federation or someone in the Federation is, you know, creating the space pirates to keep people under the uh, Federation's jurisdiction. They don't need to do that because the generation uh, Federation's jurisdiction comes apropos of them being powerful and owning the colonies and creating them and all that kind of stuff. Right. Like the Federation is essentially human humanities branch into this, into space. Right. So it's like, it's not like the, as far as we know, there are multiple like competing, human uh societies in metroid well, out in and, space. And that's the thing we we don't know we don't know uh, right there, but, there's but so as, much but, that we don't know but as far as we know the federation is the only one so i don't see like why they would even like need to do that you know right. um but uh, yeah we're, we're going long here so I'm, I'm gonna end this with three things that's where i'm, I'm gonna end this that. with three things uh the first thing I, I don't really think i don't really think you're wrong i just love playing devil's advocate the no, second I, yeah, thing obviously yeah the second thing is that I do think that this is possible. Maybe not likely, but maybe possible. And the third thing is that you need to watch the Star Wars prequels again. Darth Maul fight, best moment in Star Wars, bar well, none. Well, you know, I my, said my, I said my roommate watches the uh, the Clone Wars show. 
and Rebels a lot. Does he? I've and heard that's good. I've heard that's it, good. Well, it, you know, I've, I've caught a couple episodes. He raves about it. He's like, you got to watch this. got to watch got to watch this. I'm like, okay, okay, okay. And I never do. Um, but that I do want to watch. I've heard that Clone Wars is very good. He's even coming into my room. I am. I'm talking. I'm talking about you. Yes, I'm saying you recommended me Clone Wars on the podcast. Ask, yes. ask him if he likes Phantom Menace. Do you like Phantom Menace, Pat? Of course I like. Phantom Menace. Of course he likes Phantom Menace. Yes. It's all Star Wars nonsense. All right. I, I can't think of a better. He doesn't way like to... midichlorians. I can't think of a better way to exit on that note. Uh, uh, well, we hope that you guys. <laughs> Wait, wait, before we do that, before right, we do right, that, finish this we up, have, finish we, up. real quickly, um, I tweeted out on the account uh, earlier today where we, uh, we earlier in the episode, we talked about our e, E3 this year. And earlier today, I tweeted out on the account what people thought would be the most ideal E3 2021 uh, for Metroid. And I thought we maybe might quickly want to, you know, uh, look through those really quickly. There were a couple of responses there, some funny ones, some people talking about their, their ideal uh metroid at e3 obviously there was anything metroid there was um uh super duper metroid we want that metroid wrestling but we had like for example uh fussell russell jumping in he wants to see maybe a 35th anniversary collection uh obviously metroid prime trilogy maybe a new 2d metroid andy really quickly what's your ideal let's let's say e3 time right so let's say uh, whether it comes from a Nintendo Direct or an announcement, E3 area. What's your ideal E3 time for Metroid? Like, what do you, what, what would be great for you to hear coming this summer? Um, I feel I feel like this could be its own episode. To be honest, um, real quick though, real quick though, real quick. I think that the trilogy coming out for Switch has to happen. Has to happen. Um, in a, in the absolute dream scenario, the trilogy is announced. Uh, we get a trailer for a new 2D Metroid and maybe a trailer for Prime 4. Now that's, you know, that's that's obviously a five-course dinner with dessert after and a big bottle of uh, of wine. But, hmm. hey, that's that's my dream scenario. Realistically, I think that uh, Trilogy is... is I, I think that the chances of Trilogy are better than zero. Let's just say that. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, that's all. that's all I'll say for now. All right, cool. Well, yeah, that's something we got to maybe just before E3 time, we'll jump into this again and, and you know, talk uh, yeah, about I predictions agree. and all of that. But yeah, definitely some good stuff. Thanks, everybody, for for those of you did who responded to the tweet. Some good ideas. I love Metroid Prime Wrestling. Absolutely want to see that. I love uh, Super Duper Metroid. That, that <laughs> Super Duper Metroid. Up. Definitely need Super Duper Metroid. And and a bunch of people, I you know, I found that randomly on Google uh, Images, the, uh, the Metroid Prime trilogy hd like deluxe edition limited edition comes with like you know like a it was some mock-up someone made and shout out to whoever that was but you know they have like a statue and like the limited edition stuff that would be really cool i'd love a cool like limited a new limited edition of a metroid prime trilogy that'll likely end up stop being sold and will run up on ebay like the original did (laughs) yeah i've got lots of thoughts about what i would like for metroid just in this year in general not even just specifically d3 but um, that, that's for another day. We're running long, so uh, let's let's get on out of here. Uh, like Dax said, thank you to everyone that replied over on Twitter. If you want to check us out over on Twitter, it is at Omega Metroid Pod. I'm at Spateri316. Dak is at Dak City underscore, and we are at uh, Omega Metroid Podcast over on SoundCloud and Podbean and iTunes. Wherever you get your podcast, go and like and and subscribe. Check it out. Recommend it to. Uh, to a Metroid fan in your life. And we will see you guys next week, everybody. Take care.